0: Microphone check. One, two. What is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business? I am your host, Rohan Patra. The rap music plug at your service. Here
1: we are again at the end of Get stuck. Get stuck. Get stuck.
0: Get stuck. Few embody a true DIY ethos and a genuine appetite to be bold and different quite like today's guest, Fat Tony. Tony is a Houston native whose charisma and eccentric tastes have led him down a highly unique artistic journey. Making waves in the rap game with his musically diverse albums and wide array of collaborations with the likes of Paul Wall, ASAP Rocky, and more, to hosting TV shows on Vice. Fat Tony is a multimedia star who is here today to discuss the key lessons he's learned as a creator, the importance of following your authentic North Star, and his latest album with Taydex, I will make a baby in this damn economy. The Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth artist interviews, album reviews, and general rap commentary on the best that the underground rap scene has to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show.
1: Yes, sir. Fat Tony, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm on the road. My new album just came out. I will make a baby in this damn economy. And now we out here pushing it.
0: Love to hear it, man. You've been making waves in the rap game for over a decade now. I think the first time I heard you is probably pretty familiar thing you've heard is on that Get Lit track uh asap that was uh obviously a huge moment and you've just been part of a lot of huge moments over your career you've also hosted shows on vice you've been in the spotlight as a leader in the kind of diy musical movements in in houston and other places and you've just collaborated with so many people different backgrounds different styles of music different kind of like statures it's just it's just amazing so You know, given your winding road of a career to date, what are some of like the more important lessons you've
1: learned as a creator? Wow, great question. I would say one of the best lessons that I've learned is to trust myself. Like I think, especially early on when you're young and you're just so hungry to like get out there and like get people to hear you or to notice you. I think sometimes it can lead you to kind of feeling kind of like jittery or kind of anxious or feeling like you're, you know, just like feeling, just like all these feelings that I think are kind of toxic to artistry. Whereas I feel like my best work has always been when I feel comfortable, when I'm having fun, when I'm making something that I enjoy, when I'm making music that I would want to listen to, or makes me happy to perform it, rather than, oh, I'm going to listen to what a friend says that I should do because of certain trends happening, or maybe a manager or an agent is trying to push me to work with a certain person that I think isn't the right fit. You know, I think that if you listen to yourself and stay true to yourself, you'll make the music that resonates the most with others. Because I think, people like honesty, right? Mm-hmm. And even if people can't articulate it, they can kind of sense when an artist is doing something that isn't really for them, and that makes them turned off. Whether that's like, oh, I listened to my favorite artist new album and it felt mid, or it felt kind of like boring or you know what I mean? Yeah. So I would say that's like probably the top lesson that I've learned to always do what I feel like resonates the most with me. Tony, Anthony, what would I want to hear? What would I want to say? And even when I think about the songs that people seem to know me the most for, like BcanY or Texas or Swervin' or Get Lit with ASAP Rocky, any of these songs were all songs that when I think back to making them me and the producer or the other artists involved, we were just having fun. We were likely doing it at like someone's house. Like we didn't feel the pressure of we got to make a hit or we got to blow up like we were just doing what felt fun. And oftentimes those are songs that have like little inside jokes or like a little wit to it that we're just laughing about all day in the room. And that's how it made its way into the song. So that's, that's my number one thing, man. You have to follow your North star. You have to be who you are, especially if you want people to get into your work, you have to be true to yourself because that truth always resonates with any audience.
0: And I find it interesting, this idea of, of overcoming the pressure, not only of making a hit, like you say, but I just feel like as a creator and this is you've made this your not only your passion but your career like how do you overcome that feeling of like man i need to get paid i need to put like food uh, food on the table for me and my loved ones like how do you let that not be polluting to what you actually want to make as like a like a true creator
1: i try to use that feeling to just do more of what I do best. Like when I feel like, yo, I need to get my money up. I I need some more opportunities flowing in and starting to feel light. That's when I try to put myself out there more. That's when I start just dropping music in like a more loose way. I I might start tweeting more. I might start posting more. I might start pulling up on my homies and their shows more. Like, I feel like in those moments where you're feeling really hungry and you want something to happen for yourself that's when i think you need to tap even further into who you are and pull that out like i never felt like when i'm feeling low or feeling desperate or like feeling broke that it's time for me to sell out and by sell out i mean do something that's not me like make the type of music that i wouldn't listen to say to say things in my music that I wouldn't agree with normally if I heard another artist say it or even if I heard it in like a daily conversation, you know, I I just really feel like. Desperation is probably the thing that I hate the most in an artist, because you can really feel it, you can really sense when they're just like. Just like at their wits end and they're not using that energy to tap into their own powers. They're trying to use that energy to get lucky. They're like basically playing the lottery, which I think a lot of music is. I think there's a lot of people who make music who are doing it in hopes of getting rich or getting famous. And they think of it as lottery, but it's not. Even though I think it's true that a lot of success in any of the arts, luck is a big factor of it. Luck, timing, you know, where you at, who you know, all those things coming coming together and you're a great artist and have a dope product, then you might have a chance to win. But there are some people out there, especially when, when I was younger and I would hang out with more rappers, I definitely would have conversations with people where I'd just be like, man, we're not on the same page. Like, We're not even playing the same game. We're not even doing music for the same reasons. Like, And that always disappointed me as a kid i'd want to like make fun of those people or like Mm -hmm. shit on those people but as i got older i felt more like you know what let me just back off of other artists with this energy that i feel like doesn't vibe with who i am or vibe with my values because i don't want their shit to rub off on me yeah
0: i mean i love that that thinking of doubling down instead of chasing, being desperate and being like, okay, I need to chase the bag or do something inauthentic. You just double down on getting more tapped in and engaged. And I guess pushing more effort towards like, I even yeah. just like the way you said, like going to other shows, like it doesn't even need to be making music. It's just putting yourself out there in an authentic way to where like, you know, collaborations, just energy, creative inspiration can come. Um, I love that. And also I'm thinking of when I think of certain artists, uh, that i love when i think of their stories and and those kind of inflection points i'm thinking one particularly because it's recent at least recent that i read about it um with billy woods and the whole backwoods movement they had this big pitchfork piece that was done on the whole label and the history shout out to dylan green there who did that he yeah. uh when he was speaking with woods they were talking about history will absolve me which at that point for woods was like He said it in the articles, like, this was kind of it. It's like, if this doesn't work, we're fucking cooked, like, basically. And instead of making, like, the most accessible album, the Billy Woods, Lights, whatever shit they could have made, they made a trailblazing, completely, like, pretty damn experimental left-field album in History Will Absolve Me that was, like, doubled down on making something different and unique. And that was what popped. It wasn't like some milk toast version. And I feel like that's a there's a lot of examples like that when you think of it of artists, even when they're in those kind of more perilous moments that really need something to break just from an own survival standpoint. Usually it's doubling down. It's not usually like changing and watering down your sound and popping and then achieving success. Like that's not usually how this works.
1: Yeah, man, because it's like man, it's like wearing clothes that don't fit like it doesn't suit you. It doesn't look good on you. And I think the difficult thing is many listeners don't know how to say that. They don't know how to articulate that the artist is being fake, but they do say it by not listening to your shit and -hmm. not playing it over and over and not talking about it. And I think when you double down on who you are, you're naturally going to be a unique person. You're naturally going to be different. And people always want something that's one of a kind. Like, yeah, like even if you're dating and you meet someone and you fall in love, I think a lot of the things that really attract people to one another is like, damn, I've never met someone like him before or like her before or like them before. Like, yo, this is different. This is even Billy Woods, like even for like me as a fan, when I first heard Billy Woods I was like, damn, this kind of reminds me of some other shit, but I've never heard music that was just like this. Yeah. And then the things that he's saying in it, like the perspectives that he's bringing to it, I'm like, damn, I've never heard someone say, I don't want to hear Nas at Carnegie Hall with an orchestra. But I do remember all the Illmatic celebration stuff when he was doing that. I was like, this is kind of getting cheesy to me. Yeah. So to hear someone say what I felt but never said out loud and in music and the music's dope, that is something that like no like label, no AR, no manager, not even other songwriters could have told him to say that. That is something that came from him. <laughs> ain't it but don't come where I live you won't like it here unless you come ready to give unless you come ready don't move where I live I've been here for ages it's not for the taking I like it I can't find another just like it the blink of an eye another that's nothing like I, I came eyeballing bet they'll be raising the prize the city on my back like passion of Christ I stumbled the caveat against the odds I know you think you finna pull a real slick job but nah niggas really really well around her and out there literally right across the street they try and take it to the nth m- degree like Lil Bo Peep when she lost the sheep third ward is a place that i plan to keep it's me
0: Iblee. how did how did working in other forms of media feed back into how you approach the music if at all because you you have a definitely an interesting career in that sense where you've not just been making music you've been doing other yeah forms.
1: i would say it like really changed for me around like twenty seventeen. 17 I started to play a lot of comedy shows because like a lot of comedy shows in L.A., they would have like a music guest. Mm -hmm. I would play shows with John Daly, Brandon Wardell, all these different people who like hosted a comedy night. They would have comics come and do five, 10 minutes and then they'd have a music act. And I really enjoyed that because the audience is there. They're mostly sitting down. And they're really listening. And in those shows, they're really listening for your lyrics more than anything else. Right. And even the camaraderie that I felt amongst the other comics at those shows, like we would just have really interesting conver- conversations, really funny conversations in a way that I didn't really feel all the time playing concerts with other rappers. Cause I feel like a lot of time when you play shows or other artists, and the artists don't know each other beforehand everyone's kind of standoffish yeah like everyone isn't really looking to like you know dap up the stranger artists that they don't know or like you know chat with them but i feel like comics they fucking love talking they are they have diarrhea of the mouth almost constantly and in those settings i would find A lot of them kind of thought the same way that I think about music because I grew up loving comedy, too, even though I'm not a comedian. I've never done stand up. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But I like the thought process of, you know, isn't it funny how our society does this or like, you know what I mean? Just like all these different things that happen in our world, them really talking about it in a matter of fact way and more so talking about what they see and hear and how they feel about it, than talk about themselves. So I started building with those folks. And then in 2018, I started working with this wonderful woman named Stephanie Ward. She worked at super deluxe. She's a director, super, super deluxe is gone, but it used to be a YouTube channel that was Mm -hmm. run by the Turner company. Right. And we made a show called thrift hall, which basically was like a competitive fashion show where we take people to a goodwill to like, on a, on a uh, time limit, start shopping for clothes that fit the theme of the episode. Whether it's like, yo, I'm trying to dress up like a Twitch streamer, or I'm trying to dress up like I'm going to my first date and it's a Taco Bell, like just whatever the concept was. And most of the people that we booked were comics that I met just from playing shows in recent time. And artists I knew too. So we had open Mike Eagle on it. Mm -hmm. I I even got Billie Eilish on it, Kuko, Hannibal Barris, the rapper Buddy, John Early. I mean, we had a we had Zach Fox, we had hella people on it. And doing that show was the first time in in my life that I had a project where I could meld my music community and my comedy community. And just from that whole year or two of doing that 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 led to Vice Live that led to me playing more shows with comedians that like led to me doing some short films with like some of the comics like the filmmakers that I would meet from Drift Hall or from playing shows and that just kind of opened up my world to seeing like yo like there's more for me to give as an artist to all of entertainment like since that time I've done podcasts Like, I've acted a little bit. I've hosted, like you mentioned before. Like, I always see myself and my artistry as ever-evolving. I'm always open to any medium, if it feels right. Like, I've been in bands before, punk bands, you know what I mean? Like, I just never want to limit myself to one thing or one sound or even one group of like, you know, collaborators, like I always want to keep growing and keep trying to challenge myself to do something different. And if it feels good and we make something dope, then I'll keep doing it. But if in the middle of this experimentation, I make something or try something that doesn't really feel right for me and it's not that tight when it's done, I just put it aside and I just keep it moving. Like, I feel like as an artist, you have to be nonstop creative. Like, there's no end in sight. There is no just one hit thing that you do that's going to set you up for life. And I don't even mean... In a financial way, but even like emotionally. Yeah. Like there's like not one project that I can make that'll make me feel like, all right, I've finally done it. I have beat being an artist. I am, mm. I am done. You know what I mean? There's always more. And there's always more because life evolves too. Like even with this album, I will make a babe in this damn economy if you ask me 10 years ago, I wasn't making songs about wanting to start a family or you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to make music that's really reflective of where I'm at in my life.
0: Yeah. Cause I feel like with music and with comedy, I think the common thread is that it's to say, to going back to your thing about authenticity, what's makes art like comedy and music so cool is that you, it's kind of just infinite. Like there's not really, it's, there's no like, It's not math where there's just a finite amount of of like stand up, like jokes that you can make or finite amount of music like you can truly just continuously music will never stop is the point. And I think that's what attracts me to I'm a huge comedy fan, too, and a huge music fan for that reason, where it's just like you can just listen to something and truly be like blessed with like, wow, damn, that's cool. Never thought of that. Like you can always say never thought of making those sounds together. Never thought of saying it like that and you can just keep going on and on with that and that feeling of uh how do you say like never stopping uh like i'm thinking of other other artists i've interviewed on this show before i'm thinking of Akai solo in particular he was saying how like his pro i was asking about his like creative process and he was saying how the thing he learned is that he just has to always write he just he needs to make it like a routine to just always be ready to catch that inspiration that will come from any from any moment like it could come from any experience and you need to be ready to take that and and make something with it and so like that idea that you can't just make one album and be like well i like hit this new level of artistry i don't need to try i don't need to like put in the effort and like put in the reps it's kind of just you always got to keep going and i think that's a good lesson for most things but especially creative things
1: yeah man i think it's good to have a practice i think it's good to like force yourself to regularly write, to regularly produce, what whatever your thing is, I think the more reps that you put in, the more will come out of you. Like I'm the type of person that honestly, when I'm hanging out with my friends, <clears throat> especially hanging out with like other artists and we're just joking and we're laughing and we're talking about ideas, I will often take like notes of what I remembered from those conversations and from those nights and when I'm writing, I'll look back at like the one line that like the homie said that was funny. And I just try to think to myself, like, is there a way that I could use this in my music? Is like this the spark for a new song? Could this line be like a lyric in a song? Like, could like this line that my friend said in conversation be the spark that gets my brain turning and and I come up with something else? So I really feel like in like life, as a writer, you're always writing. Even if I'm not like on the mic or I'm typing lyrics in my phone or on my laptop, even just in conversation, I'm always writing by just experiencing shit. And I'm also the kind of person that's like kind of often rhyming in his head, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like like I'll just be especially if I'm if I'm engaged with some art and it moves me my mind starts rhyming like yes. last night i'm at the homies concert pink Seafood, yeah and he's going hard is this
0: the leather boulevard and one
1: like their leather bu- this was he would know he's um playing this festival so me him oh, okay. and blackie we're all playing this festival right now lfg fest in durham in north kakalaki as somebody said to me the other day like a gen x person but um <laughs> Yeah, like when I'm around a homie's concert and the music's moving me, even if it's like not rap, it might be like a noise show or like a rock show or jazz or whatever, if I'm feeling the music, my brain will automatically start rapping. If I'm like watching a movie or like a TV show and I, and I really dig it, my like mind just starts coming up with like rhymes of what I'm watching or whatever. I don't know, just anytime I engage with some art that I love, my brain wants to start rapping. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it's like something that's like activates me, like, um, good art, I'm an artist, I'm the go, it's time to get into it, so. I love that, I love that. Yeah, man, and you gotta it- keep it going, gotta have a practice, you gotta keep writing, it doesn't stop. Look at every aspect of your motherfucking life as writing, if you're a writer.
0: I love that, man, I love that. And, you know, speaking of like, where you're from in your hometown, you've been repping Houston, and for your entire career, it's a big part of your music. You mentioned yes. it a lot in your writing and your everything in your art. How has Houston influenced your your kind of development of your musical taste and your just overall develop, development as an artist?
1: Well, I think one thing that I'm so lucky for is being from Houston in the time that I came from Houston. Like, I was born in 88. I'm 35 years old right now. So when I was in elementary school, it was the late 90s when like Screw was popping, a lot of rap lot artists were popping, like Scarface, uh, Ghetto Boys, obviously, Devin the Dude, Gangsta Nip, Mr. 3-2. Then we had other local labels like Wreck Shop, they had Big Mo, who's also from Screwed Up Click. Um, we had Lil' Flip, like there were so many buzzing artists that were popping locally in Houston. And our radio would play local artists right alongside national artists. So when I'm in like the third or fourth grade, I'm hearing a masterpiece song, then a Jay-Z song, then a Scarface song, then a little Kiki song, then like a Drew Hill song. And it wasn't like the radio stations would be like, oh, now it's time for us to play the Houston artist. It was all mixed up. And because I was into music from day one, I knew who the artists were. I would buy the CDs, read where they recorded. Oh, I see they use a studio in Houston. They, they must be from Houston. You feel me? And early on, it gave me the confidence that. I could do music too. Like I could be an artist too. I don't have to leave where I'm from to be inspired to make music. And then when I got into high school, I went to high school from 2002 to 2006, which is when Houston rap went super mainstream, like Still Tipping blew up. You had all the artists from the north side of town. I'm from the south side. Previously, it was like, I, I felt like the South Side Houston artists kind of were the dominant ones locally and nationally. Mm-hmm. But during the mainstream break, it was the North Side artists like Mike Jones and Paul Wall, Slim Thug, and, you know, Chameleon Air, House, Michael Watts, OG Ron T. So I'm in high school. And by this point, I'm like making music. I'm like putting on shows. You know, I'm like really trying to be active. And to like be in Houston then, seeing our music scene be top of the charts, seeing us have the Super Bowl during that time, the NBA All-Star Weekend during that time. In my mind, I was like, yo, this is Hollywood. This is it. This is the most popping cultural city for entertainment, especially Mm -hmm. black culture and black entertainment in this country. So that really gave me even more gas like yo I can do it too like I can I can be like Paul Wall I can be like a millionaire I can be like flip like 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 I can be as far as I want to go from where I'm from Yeah um so I think just just having that like perfect storm of being from a place that has so much popping music and music history cuz you got to think Houston has a legacy of blues music of r b music country music gospel music rock music bands like zz top noise music you know experimental artists like Jandek. like houston has always had a really rich music scene in various genres i would say for most of the 20th and 21st centuries so not only was there current artists doing it big to inspire me but i could look at the history books and see that there's a legacy of this that i wanted to add to
0: yeah and i think that kind of uh big legacy and how houston's just been a part of music for for since music began in america really it definitely lends itself to why you have such a broad base of style and influences in your music and so something that I typically do when I'm interviewing an artist, like I, I gander like a Wikipedia page if they have one just to get like that basic bio info. And totally. I found it pretty funny going to yours into the styles and influence section, because it quite literally says your key musical influences include Ramones, Prince, Michael Jackson, Black Flag, <laughs> Notorious B.I.G., Tupac, UGK, Aaliyah, R. Kelly, My Bloody Valentine, Nirvana, Rick Root, Ru- And it just literally doesn't even have any more context it just names them one by one by one by one and it's funny but it is pretty indicative of the truth which is that your music is just a really cool jam jambalaya of like many different sounds and you know so given given that your music incorporates these many different styles like i have to imagine that for your music to not end up being just this like giant mess, there needs to be some sort of semblance, or as you put it kind of like earlier, actually, a North Star of sorts that can kind of make you have some sort of direction. So what would you say is the North Star that you vie for when you make
1: your music? Man, but I'm glad you asked that. And I think that part of my Wikipedia is from an interview that I did in like college or something where they asked me who my favorite artists were. And those artists listed there, those are definitely when I was in high school and starting college. All those artists listed were my favorite shit. Like if you look at my last FM account, oh, yeah. those are those are like my top ten artists. It's like a motherfucking Tribe Called Quest, and just all that shit you name, right? And um, when I'm when I'm making music though, I never wanted to sound like all of my influences because I kind of feel like that's a bit try hard. So I never wanted to be like, you I want you to hear that. I like Prince. I want you to hear that. I like punk music. I want you to, you know, I didn't. I just felt like that'd be kind of doing a disservice to the music. I wanted to make the actual music that I want to make. Stems more so from like artists like Devin the Dude, Tribe Called Quest. Manny Fresh, you know, like working with my longtime producer, GoldenEye, a.k.a. Tom Cruise, what really attracted me to him was he was similar. Like when I first met him and his homies that had a rap group together, they listed their influences on their MySpace as like Three Six Mafia, Neil Young, My Bloody Valentine, uh, Buju Banton, David Bowie, uh, Master P, UGK, E-40, Mac Dre, I'm like, damn, they're like me, right? And I think for us, we have those broad influences, and it inspires us to be as different as possible. Like, what I like about those artists was that they pushed the boundaries and did their own thing. That's why I mentioned Devin the Dude. Yeah. I feel like he's such an original artist, like... He might, you could say that he's, of course, inspired a bit by people like maybe a slick Rick, but what Devin the Dude does with his voice and his storytelling, in my opinion, is very singular.
0: It's so singular.
1: And when I I saw that Goldeneye, a.k.a. Tom Cruise, which I'm going to put out there for the the old school people that remember the Tom Cruise Mm -hmm. name when I saw that him and his friends listed that wide array of influences, and then I listened to their music and it was so different than any of the influences, but I could tell that there's a little bits of this and that there. That's what really struck me. Like, yo, I want to work with this person. Like I want to work with someone who wants to be their own sound, their own style. Cause that's really what I think that those artists are really trying to like tell us like, an artist like Prince or David Bowie really pushing the edge, pushing boundaries, being very different, going very left sometimes. I think what they're trying to say is you can be yourself too. Like you can be as weird or as original as you want to be, and you can still be a star. You can still make great music. You can still reach a lot of people. You can, you can even reach people that are more closed minded than you by you just being yourself more. And being unabashed for yourself and doubling down on it and not being afraid to take a chance and be different. Because if you stay the same and try to imitate, I guarantee you're going to be forgotten. Like the only reason all the artists that we've even brought up during this conversation, even newer artists like Billy Woods or like a solo All of these artists have their own distinct voice, their own distinct style of production. And if you put them on a show together, they might have many of the same fans, but every act that performs is gonna sound pretty different from the next one. So I was always like looking to collaborate with people that felt like me. Like almost everyone that I've worked with has been someone who, like me, grew up liking all kinds of music and and also the kind of people who don't look at music as being your whole identity. Like Interesting. I, like punk music and hardcore is what really inspired me to make music first. Like I grew up loving rap and all kind of shit my whole life, but it was through punk music that really gave me the gas to be like, yo, I can be DIY. I can book my own show. I, I can... Uh, press my own CDs. I can find a way to press a vinyl. I can find a screen printer to make my own shirts. That gave me the gas to do it. But all my life, I never felt like I dressed punk or like tried to look punk. Yeah. Even though, like when when like I was coming up and I was a kid, there was some friends of mine who were shocked that I was a rapper too because they only knew me as like a punk dude. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> they like they they only knew me as like the guy that is fucking obsessed with punk music and has all this vinyl and all these themes and and is always lecturing about the history of the genre and the subgenres and all this shit but um yeah man i just never felt like i i just never agreed with someone who appreciates a culture trying to take on that culture into their own identity fully if it's not natural like you know there's like certain things that i'm naturally drawn to from all the subcultures that i'm interested in you know whether it's fashion or like a certain look or whatever but none of them have i ever felt like you i want to put on the uniform i'm gonna put on the punk uniform i'm gonna put on the techno uniform i'm gonna put on the country uniform it's like no i'm gonna do me and i like Polo and vintage shirts and New Balance and shit. And I'm going to dress like that whether I'm at a noise show or a rap show or I'm in a, a club or I'm at a country western show or whatever the fuck because I'm me.
0: I think that's important to have that strong sense of self. And I also would say that it's based on what I understand of you and what you're interested in. It's so diverse that I find people like you because I can kind of fit, count myself as that in the sense that I've naturally been someone that in my life, I haven't been able to be so boxed into like a certain culture or a certain identity. And that has, it's in ways it allows me to connect to so many different people, types of people. But at the same yeah. time it can get the negative is that if you don't find that self, sense of self strong enough and establish that confidently, you can just feel lost. You can feel like I don't have my tribe Whereas people who maybe are a little easier have less diverse like kind of interest, which is nothing good or bad about that. It's a little easier to just be like, yeah, these are my people and you can just connect and feel like in community. And so, yeah, I can't I can't say enough how important it is to have that strong sense of self that this is me. I'm all of these things combined. Yeah, I think that's
1: great. And Man, I, yeah. I appreciate that you said that it's not good or bad if you don't have that like diverse range of taste. Yeah, 100 percent. I've, I've also never been the kind of person that would shit on someone for, you know, only liking what's on the radio or only liking the most mainstream stuff. You know, I don't care what you're passionate about. If you're passionate about anything cultural or music or the arts, you and I have something in common that we can connect on. You you don't have to be the most under most underground most uh, most obscure music lover for me to vibe with you and to connect with you. And I always hated people who use their interest to be fucking pretentious and mm-hmm. talk down to people who weren't aware of like certain artists or certain movies. I just think that's that's wildly corny and not cool and not attractive. I think it's much more attractive to be you and try to connect with someone else wherever they're at and find that common ground and be open to dealing and communicating with any and everybody
0: yeah and i find as long as the person because even i'm thinking of relationships here as long as the person if i'm super passionate about music and it's like niche underground shit you don't need to like it even but if you respect and are like appreciative that i'm so passionate about that that's something I respect. If you just don't really seem to care that I'm like so interested in this thing that I talk about all the time, that's where it's like, okay, I don't know if like we're connecting here. You don't need to yeah. be into fucking fat Tony, but if you can respect that, I really love this music and you find that cool and you're like, damn, that's so cool. You're passionate about something. I like fashion though. And I'm like, I can give you the same back. Then i we're, we're Gucci here. Cause I have, I have friends too. Like it's not, you can't, no one can be one everything to one person so um I think there are people
1: out there that only want to deal with someone else who is exactly like them and i think that you're selling yourself short you're cutting yourself off from new experiences and new people and honestly learning about something you wouldn't encounter normally like i've always been a type of person that was very curious like i've always been curious and open-minded and you know eager to try something different, eager to go somewhere that I've never been to before, eager to talk to someone with a totally different background than me. Like, I think that's what makes life fun, especially with like, you know, all the darkness in the world, all the violence, all the greed, all the unfair situations, all the fuckery in this world that's constantly full of disaster let's create joy in our lives by trying to connect with each other and open up to each other. And I've just always been about that. Like, even when I was a kid, my like mom would always comment this to me. And I never really thought nothing about it until recently. She'd be like, yo, you have like every type of person from your school come over to our house. Like you have kids who are like, who are like a, a little more rough around the edges. They might be in some like street shit coming to our house you have some straight up nerds coming to our house you got some like girls coming you you got some gay homies coming you got some punk rockers coming like you have such a diverse range of friends and when i'm opening up the door for them and i'm and i'm greeting them and i'm kind of asking like yo how'd you meet my son they all love and respect you and they all that they connect with you for a different thing. Some of them like to kick it with you because we like video games. Some of them kick it with you because you like rap or we like techno or we like punk and hardcore or we like certain movies or we like comedy and they come over and we watch stand up on TV. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's cool. I really relate to that. I was always in high school and just as a young, my whole time really just always been the connector. I was always the one who was friends who had the in with all the groups. Cause that's yeah. that's again, like I said, that's always been like me.
1: As a kid, I had this thing distorted. The game of life is more than the gains and glory. How you live long and not going pass it forward. At this age, giving game is my main appointment. Don't buy that if you can't afford it. Maintain safe change and invest in more than last time, cause the next time might be the chance to upgrade your life. If you got a plan, nobody gonna hold your hand, it's you that hold you down. I don't lost a lot in the days I fucked around. Not serious, moving so furious, mad at the world, but the world ain't hearing
0: it. You're talking about this uh uniqueness a lot throughout this conversation, you know, you clearly have a pretty big appetite for taking risks. And I'm curious to understand, like, what inspires this appetite to be bold and be different in
1: what you create? Man, it kind of goes back to being being young. When I was in high school, I had this moment that I was gonna be super embarrassing, right? There was this um, blog platform called Zanga, and it, it, it was like a live journal, like a blog spot. And these kids made an anonymous one and they were like making it to make fun of people at school. And they made a post about me making fun of me. The whole post was all about me and how I'm such a loser Damn. and how like some of my homegirls are like floods and like how all these other girls have like dumped me or don't fuck with me. And I'm like 15 or something when this happens. And it like starts going viral at my school to the point that my school for like a week or two banned us from using the library computers because everybody was like looking at, at at this blog where they're making fun of people, printing it out. And at the time I'm like young and like, I'm like a big nerd and I'm like, damn, this is gonna like ruin my life you know when 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 you're young and shit like that is like it'll it'll like yo i gotta move to a different school or a different town like my whole life's over but then off that it made more people start befriending me like it made girls start talking to me it made more people figure out that i made music and want to talk to me about it and that was the first time where it kind of showed me that, oh, even something that feels like the most embarrassing thing in my life ever is not that bad. And I actually made friends off my name going around there because people were talking shit, but then they were like, oh, but we don't even really know him. I'm like, yo what's, yo, what's up with you? Like, And as you get to know me, the vibe changes and, and it's all cool. And I think from that moment on, I stopped being scared to put myself out there as a person. Like after that time, I I started putting on shows where I would like book other artists, even artists from other States and cities to come to Houston to play. I would start performing myself. I start recording my friends. Like that was the moment that broke me. Cause I think before that I was pretty shy Mm. and I was pretty much just like, you know, like kind of falling back. Like I didn't want, I, I didn't want the spotlight so much. I was like, you know, I don't want to get hurt, but you know, having that embarrassment, taking that L, I was like, "Yo, nothing to hurt me again." Because it's it's just about going for it, you know. And then once I started going for it, I luckily got a lot of positive reinforcement. Like, I'm I'm very grateful that from the moment I started making music, even early on when I started making my first demo, which I put out in like two two thousand eight from that moment on, people really would encourage me to go after music, to do my thing. Nice. You know, people would help me. People would like often give me beats or like give, give me a ride to the studio. Just you know, the people around me really, really supported me. And that too gave me the juice to keep going and try different things too. And like, I was the type of guy that I take certain friends of mine to like, something different, like, yo, yo, we're going to go to like this backpack rap show. I know you don't, you don't even know this type of music, but I want you to try. I'm going to take you to this hardcore show. I want you to just see what it's like, you know what I mean? And I think, um, just like having people who are open to taking risks with me also gave me the gas to keep going, man. That's amazing.
0: And so, like, I want to get into this new album now. What I love about it so much is that it feels like it's very constantly in movement, both from like a sound perspective and then also what you're talking about. It's so adventurous. I think when I was reading something in support of this record, you said that at this age of yours, giving game is a main objective. So what were some of the key pieces of wisdom that you were looking to share on this album?
1: I really wanted to talk about how you got to be responsible for your actions. Because I feel like when you're young, especially a lot of young men, you kind of have a, like, I don't give a fuck attitude. I'm going to do me, I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't care if I'm living loose or reckless and that can feel really fun at times, and that can really give you a lot of confidence and be really adventurous but I think as you grow older some of that same energy can also hurt you some of that same energy can make it so that when you're in your 40s 50s 60s some of your behavior that's akin to your young reckless days it kind of makes you look foolish or juvenile and I think especially in music you have a lot of people that don't want to grow up you know and I want to make an effort to share lessons that I've learned in my life from my own experiences, from shit I've seen friends go through and really put it out there in song. So for anyone young that's listening to me, they can get some knowledge from it because that's how I felt coming up. Like when I was a kid, I would listen to some UGK songs and it's so emotional and honest and vulnerable and they're talking about shit like, yo, we're selling dope, but this shit is actually hurting people. Or yo, I'm I'm like out in the streets, I'm missing my family, I got my wife tripping, I'm not seeing my kids, you know, maybe I got locked up, I'm going to jail, that's gonna hurt my, you know, relationships with my family. You know what I mean? Like all these things that I felt like, yo, they like trying to show you that even the shit that looks glamorous ain't always glamorous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that there are pros and cons to everything, and that life is serious. And I felt that way from other artists too, like Scarface, DJ Quick, E40, like all of these artists have made music that really spoke to me and really gave, gave me advice that I took to heart. And I'm the kind of person that likes to have a lot of fun in my music, especially earlier on in my music. Still, my my music's fun as fuck, but I really love to almost prioritize fun in my music early on. And now I'm still having fun because that's who I am, but I want to prioritize giving game, passing down wisdom. You know what I mean? Like on my new album that's on Baby Boy with, with Paul Wall, I like love, I, I like wrote a totally different song to that beat at first. That was more just like, you know, I'm having fun. I'm being witty. I'm just rhyming. And then I like removed all those lyrics and I wrote it over. And my manager was like, man, I love the song as it is. Why do you want to change it? And I was just like, man, I feel like with this beat, I have an opportunity to really say something that might help people like I'm like talking about basically growing up in that song, like baby boy, is not a game. What are you going to do, do with it? What are you going to do with your life? Like, are you going to fuck off your life or are you, are, are you going to party your life away? Are you going to not plan your life away? Like, and I'm basically talking about just being more of an intentional person with your actions. Like, you know, are, are you thinking ahead? Are you thinking about, how the moves you make now will affect you a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. That's just where I'm at mentally. And I just want to put that in, in my music, especially at this point in my life. I think that's so important because I I always
0: struggle with that. I'm definitely on the the neurotic overthinking side of the thing, of the kind of spectrum. But I so I always kind of am, I, I need to push myself to be almost like less thinking about everything if any if that makes sense where i need to be more in the moment and just trust my gut all those kind of great things but what you're saying is so true because i think it can get sometimes especially like some of the self-help talk that's i feel like getting more popular and mainstreamed by people who maybe shouldn't be talking about this stuff Uh, i know what you mean yeah like it's people are like just do you and and uh just just be you and just be and 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 be more carefree and it kind of it sounds good and there's real good to that but i think that sometimes i've noticed in some people like and in myself at times where it can just be a replacement for and being ignorant to like yeah but your actions matter to you to your people and it's gonna hurt people if you don't think of this in any way shape or form and it's and it's a tough balance to really to really strike
1: yeah man but I think we can be free and be responsible too like we can have fun and be mindful like you know especially the older we get and we have less chances to fuck up and get away with it you know what I mean and I think it's really true for a lot of artists because we get into our artistry often at a young age. We like get into it when we're teens or in our early 20s. And it's so easy to become like a character in that Nas song, Second Childhood, where, where you're just living the same way that you lived when you were 18, 19, but you're 39, you're 49, you know what I mean? And I just think, it just looks lame. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this shit just be looking lame. I was talking about this with um Blackie last night too, because we were talking about how some of our homies that we came up with in Houston. It's kind of hard for us to hang out with them now because our lives are in different places. Like we're talking about our like jobs, like we're like talking about kids, we're talking about how about our fucking mortgage. We're like talking about all this real life stuff that yes, it's hard, but it's necessary and it's more interesting for us because these are things that we're learning to go through. And some of the old homies just want to do the same shit that we did when we was 23, mm-hmm. like to stay out all night. And, stay. and it's just like, damn, man, like we just not own that. Anymore. Like, like, sure. It's fun to feel loose and be adventurous. And feel like you're a kid again every now and then. But if you're doing that every week, every weekend, every couple weeks, all year long, it's like, dog, like you ain't doing nothing new, even in music. Like that's why I feel like I always like making albums that have a bit of a different sound to it, a bit of a different approach to it, because it always disappointed me when my favorite artists. Just make the same shit yeah. over and over and over, like, and it and it doesn't have to be a drastic change, but just give me something to make me feel like, yo, when I'm in this mood, I want to hear this album from my favorite artist. When I'm in this mood, I want to hear this album from my favorite artist. And they're two different moods that kind of come from the same perspective, but it's like, yo, when I'm like, there's certain artists like you know UGK when I'm feeling vulnerable. Or feeling emotional, I want to listen to their Rotten Dirty album. When I'm feeling fly, or feeling like I'm I'm that nigga, or I'm like about to go have some fun, I want to listen to their Dirty Money album. And it's two different sides of the same person. Yeah. And imagine if every album was just Rotten Dirty or just Dirty Money or just you know what I mean. Like I want variety, and I think most people want that too. That's why even in like business, a company like a McDonald's or something, they like still dropping new items on the menu. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they like still are like, yo, I'm, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep learning. I'm going to keep taking risks. Yeah.
0: And evidenced by the title of this album and the track, lots of the music here, but especially the track make a baby, which I feel like is just a career moment for you in general. Fatherhood and birth is are major themes on this record and from what I understand the the challenge of becoming a father is something that you felt more and more compelled to take on since the pandemic while myself and I would imagine many others saw all the the suffering, the disarray that was happening and still is obviously happening as a sign that you know maybe this is the wrong time to have children or maybe, the world is fucking burning as they say. So like, why are we, What? why bring another life into this world? And so I'm very curious to understand like why this desire to become a father has actually grown in you recently.
1: You know, I've had some of those same thoughts and those same talks too about how the world is just going to shit and maybe it's doing a disservice by bringing a life into this world. But part of me feels like, With so many cruel and unloving people out there who are ruining things, I want to put some more humans in this world that I can raise right, that I can put some values into to counteract all the bullshit people that you have coming. Like, I really think that it would be my greatest achievement to raise a kid or two or three to be a good person, too, to be someone that's like, happy, fun, responsible, caring, giving back, like all the things that I aspire to be, you know? And I once heard this quote that if you're a good person, a smart person, and granted that's very, very subjective, but if you have those qualities and are open to raising a family, you should do it because it needs to be more people like you in this world. Whereas you have people that have values that I don't ag- that I don't agree with and opinions I don't agree with, and they are procreating like a motherfucker. They mm-hmm. a kids left and right. You know what I mean? So let me do my part by trying to put some dope back into the world through a human being.
0: I love that, and I feel like this album is is really going against that this rising feel I feel of just like nihilism of dejection generally through it's like defiance through hope it's not really necessarily you're it's it's not saying this is like actually we're gonna it's like it's not very militant in the sense of which is fine but it's not really militant in other ways that music has been made in response to these kinds of movements yours is doing it with a lot of positivity which is an interesting way of kind of tackling this whole thing
1: I just think that's important. Like I've always res- I've always resonated with optimism, with with love, with like let's use good to counteract all this bullshit. You know what I mean? Like not just to fight against the ops, but to motivate us to stick around. Because I think when you're a smart person, an empathetic person, a caring person, someone that's really tuned in to what's going on around you. It can beat you down and make you want to shut in and like not want to voice how you feel or like try to help your own community or try to contribute in any type of way. So I like to put in a lot of hope and optimism and love into what I do to remind us that we got to keep on going. That it's not over yet, that Mm -hmm. there is still a fight to be had and that at the end of the tunnel and even along the way, we can still have joy, too. Yeah.
0: And so this album is created by not only you, but Tadex on the boards, mm-hmm. who really just created such an electric type of sound. It's so vibrant. It really fits the, the beautiful album cover behind me. And I just love, again, the diversity. There's like the booming bass on the opener, the crazy beat switches on that Blackie track, just fucking mm-hmm. definitely a highlight. The really fun keys on Boss Up. There's just so much color. So describe the sound you and Taydex
1: tried to, to aim for on this album. So just to back it up some, Taydex, I've been working with him for years now. He produced Swerving back in 2017, one of my best songs. Um, we like made the album Wake Up in 2020. And on this album, what we wanted to do different is to have more diversity in like the sounds we use. So on this album, we not only had him making beats, but we had homies like Wes Singerman making beats. We had keys coming in. We had guitar coming in, bass coming in, horns, the uh, pedal steel, you know what I mean? Like we like really trying to make an album where it felt like there's a band behind it, where it's not just samples and beats, but also live original music too and mix it all together so that this felt like an album that had its own sound like 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 we kind of wanted to make an album that had a house band you feel me so all the players throughout the album if you look at the credits there's like four or five people on the music side of each song you know even on a song like make a baby there's a vocalist that's like doing the background singing on it you know what i mean like we Really wanted to make an album that felt more full because the first album that we made together, Wake Up, was really just us. Like, Mm -hmm. it was just all him on the beats, just a few features, a shorter album, just like that. That was more of an album that was just like me and him in a row. And on this album, Taydex has his own studio now, which also added to it. So we're no longer like on like someone else's schedule or like, trying to find time to like get in there. So we had the freedom to be in the studio like for hours and hours and hours and to have anyone pull up when they're ready to. And I think on this album, Taydex did a lot more post-production than on some of our previous work. So even after we were done making the album, which like my, my parts took like two or three months, I think, to make it, like just writing and like recording my parts. Tatek set with the album for like a few more months, just like tinkering with every song, calling up people to come play other parts on it. So I think with this album, we more than any other record that I made before, we spent a lot of time on the details sonically.
0: I love that. I can definitely hear the freedom like that's It sounds like you guys really took, yeah, you really took your time with it and it allowed you to express the diversity And that joy again that joy and the fun and the richness in the music is so felt like even like loosen up that's like a legitimate legitimate radio hit type track like uh, (laughs) god damn that shit is so so fucking catchy i just really was impressed with the with the sound and i was also impressed because it was so it flowed so nicely and there felt like there was such a a thought, a a thought put into an intentionality put into the sequencing too. And yeah, absolutely. Like it ends with, well, it ends with the last two tracks that are so poignant make a baby, as I mentioned before, and then it finishes with Jasper, Texas. And which I understand is inspired by the lynching of James Byrd Jr. from from 1998. What was the reasoning behind ending your album in, in such a specific way?
1: well, I felt like it was such a heavy song. The subject matter is so heavy that I wanted to end with it because I want the listener to just think about it. Like I felt like if I put it anywhere else in the album and it went went into another song, it would it would be kind of robbing you from really sitting in the subject matter and what actually happened mm-hmm. and all the feelings attached to it. And I wanted it to be the type of song that hopefully afterwards people might want to go read up on it to like really learn what happened here. And I'm the type of person that likes to talk about stuff like that. Like, even on my album, Smart Ass Blackboard, the last song on that album is called The More Things Change, The More They Stay the Same. And like the first verse is, is about like a slave owner killing a slave child, which sounds really dark and fucked up but it's the type of shit that, that definitely happened in our history. And I feel like all these darker sides of our world and our history, we have to face them because if we're conscious of it, then hopefully we can prevent stuff like this from ever happen- happening again, even if it happens in like a different form. Like, like in my mind, the murder of James Byrd Jr. Falls right in line with some of the, atrocities and violence that happen in to like slaves in the U S you know what I mean? It is the exact same intent of the perpetrator of that violence. Mm-hmm. You are, you are beneath me. Your life means less to me than mine. I can do what I want with you when I feel like it, like James Byrd junior's murder wasn't because they had a personal beef with him. He was just a local guy and they were drunk and they were on their white supremacist ranting, just like talking about how they hate this and hate that. And they recognized him from being around town and they offered him a ride home when he was getting off work. You know, something totally innocent, um, which I think makes it even darker that like there was it, it like could have been anybody. Yeah. He just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And um, what really inspired me to make that song is there's a painter, a visual artist named El Franco Lee II. He's a Black artist from Houston. And he did a bunch of paintings of the James Byrd Jr. murder. And his paintings are very graphic because the way this guy died was really, really gruesome. They basically tied him to the back of a truck and they drug him for a long time until as as like limbs were coming off, like really horrible, fucked up shit. And seeing the El Franco lead a second paintings was the first time that I realized how violent and how gruesome the, the murder was, because I didn't know those, those details, details at all. Yeah. And seeing that, it just really stuck with me. And when we were in the studio, Everyone was was asking me what I want to make a song about. And I had my friend Lucas, um, Lucas Slash Heaven is his artist name, he plays the uh, pedal steel. And he was playing something and it felt very spooky and it felt like wind. And I was telling everyone that what I'm picturing is my, my, in, in my mind is me being in like a forest or by a pond or by a lake or just like somewhere in like dense nature and no one's around. And I hear the wind howl and I feel like a spirit is talking to me. And when I thought about that, I reminded myself of the El Franco Lee, the second paintings. I started pulling up the paintings and I was like, what if I write as if I'm in Jasper, Texas, near the site where he finally died? and his spirits talking to me or not even talking to me, but I feel his like spirit around mm-hmm. me. And that's when I started writing the song. Man, that's uh,
0: that's beautiful. Uh, I think what I, how I took your decision, I guess you could say to end the album that way, was more like, given the fact that the album is, especially about fatherhood and birth like this, that's being a common through line. I kind of took it as like you having all this light, expressing all this hope, but then acknowledging kind of like the risk that comes with bringing a new life into this world, which is that you you would be bringing them into a world that 25 years ago, something like this happened. And obviously other things right now are currently happening that are equally dark. Or, yeah. Um, and it just felt like a balance. It felt like you were keenly aware of of the reality and the stakes of what you want to do. Doesn't mean you don't do it. But it's just like a reminder, a balance of like
1: this is the reality of what we're dealing with. Like this is not a joke. Yeah, man. And I and I think maybe on like a subconscious level, I felt that. But everything I just said was what was literally on my mind making it. Wow. But it is very interesting to like have this album that's so much about birth and like the joy of it. And then it ends on like death. But that's but that's life, man. Like you know james james bird jr he had parents too imagine you like raise a kid and you hear something like that happened to it on. it would really fuck you up yeah. but that's part of the risk that you take putting somebody's life into this world yeah Even thinking it, about it make it make, make me tear up a little I bit i know man and like i i, I <laughs> think real. also
0: i think of like just that common refrain that you hear from a lot of folks when they want to just do that whole minimizing a lot of the evils that have happened in general western society a lot of times you just kind of hear it painted as like oh well, that happened just like so long ago and you know like oh my god like you weren't born your parents were i'm like and they make it just seem like it's passe like it's like okay relax man it was that was the stone age when it's like this happened 25 i was born i'm 28 i was actually alive which is i did not know until i looked into this story i didn't know i was alive for a lynching like I did not know that and that's a a mind fuck and it's and it's just that's all I gotta say it's just a mind fuck and I think it it did it did have that effect on me where it just kind of made me feel after an album that's so joyful made me feel grounded it didn't it didn't like make me depressed it just kind of yeah just made me aware of the stakes of life I guess in a way that made me feel almost appreciative of like I'm still here
1: yeah, it got to be. And I and I think that, man, I really hate people that don't like to talk about shit like this because I think it's trying to sweep it under the rug that lets it happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That is why things like this can keep on happening because people think that it could never happen. So the people that want to perpetrate violence like this, they're emboldened to do it because they feel like they can get away with it yeah. because no one is going to even be looking for that. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I definitely think that as atrocities happen in our various societies, it's our duty to call it out. It's our duty to, like, make everyone aware that this is happening, this has happened, and it could happen again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, moving
0: past this album, or even keeping with this album, and just talking about what you have coming out for this record and just any upcoming projects, tour,
1: merch, anything. What what do you got upcoming for fans? Man, I have a lot going on right now. I'm playing a lot of shows throughout the rest of the year. I'm playing the artist Spelling. She has a festival in Oakland that I'm playing soon. I'm going on tour with the indie rock band Islands, who are old friends of mine. I've like toured them several times before. I'm playing a a bunch of one off festivals like I'm basically going to be hitting the road hard from now until next summer. They're just constant booking of stuff. And it's and it's not just going to be like a linear tour. It's just going to be spread out. You know what I mean? Like Mm. I'm doing a um, record release party at Dub Lab in Los Angeles on September 21st and also I got to talk about Found Me. Let me pull that out for you. Yeah. So I have a magazine called Found Me Magazine. Me and my my boy Matthew do it. And Found Me is a cultural magazine where we interview people. We take submissions of poetry, of short stories, scripts, photos, original art. This latest issue features my man, Blackie. Nice. I do an interview with, with him where I cover his whole freaking career. I have photos in it from like shows that we played, like, like a bunch of these are my personal photos from like house shows that we played over the years. Um, and it's really beautiful. This, this is a project that I'm super proud of because me and my friend, Matthew, we do this project purely out of love like this is something that we do not to profit from at all like both of us have our own artist projects and we have jobs and stuff and and we just wanted to make something that is very pure and for the art only Mm -hmm. so we always apply for grants to get these made and any money that we make from selling the magazine or selling the, the shirts or other merchandise it all goes back into making more of these And it just feels really good to have an art project that isn't tied to like a certain schedule it's not tied to blowing up it's not tied to going viral it's just purely out of love you know what i mean that looks amazing so so if you're into this check out the the website too foundmemag.com because even the website is an extension of our artist project this is our second issue right here found me too so We're working on the third issue of this magazine now, and I always have it with me at all of my shows. If you see me out at any show, in any festival, if I have merchandise, I got found me on me.
0: That's amazing, that shit looks amazing. I'm definitely gonna link it uh, in the description for everybody listening. And of course,
1: I might going crazy on music too. I'm working on new music with uh, Blockhead, Music with the producer, yeah. Paul you got that White. single.
0: You got that. Oh, whoa. Okay. Wait, I don't want to cut you off.
1: You're saying some important shit. Paul White too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. already working on like another album. So we okay. like, like i like honestly, as soon as I finished this this last record, I immediately started working on another album, and that's just how I like to live. I just like making music.
0: <laughs> yeah, those are crazy producers. Um I'm excited. Yeah, and you released that you released that single a while ago with Blockhead. That was that was yeah. awesome.
1: I'm thinking about moving yeah that's that's just kind of like me like you know to like show that there's more coming you know what i mean
0: no i I appreciate that um man i just gotta say i love this album i think it's your best work in my my humble opinion and i just think this thank you was a amazing conversation i feel like i can really relate to you on a a personal level which is just always nice to see a lot a lot of similarities there that uh, same bro i'm rocking with you Mm -hmm. yeah thank you and i appreciate the the conversation this was this was a lot of fun
1: thank you man well hope you have a beautiful day appreciate you checking me out appreciate you putting my my music out there bro for real
0: yeah thank you for coming on and yeah hope you have a good rest of the day too all
1: right man peace peace I hear your voice, wonder how it would sound for my girl or a boy. The moment that we met, it was you that I knew. Would be for me who makes one out of two and we already making room. Bought a house, got a whole list of names on the cool. When I fell in love with you, I knew we would make a duel. Know my homegirl, a doula, we could do it in the pool. I could cry when I try to picture tying little shoes. Can't lie, been thinking lately. We should go ahead, make a baby. That love, that nothing replaces. Newborn looking like our face.
0: So there we have it, another episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC-TV. I hope this episode gave you some new perspectives and insights into what the greatest art form known to man in hip-hop music has to offer. If you want to support the show in the most meaningful way possible, it would be my absolute honor to have you as a patron in the new Rap Music Plug podcast Patreon. Through this Patreon, you will be getting exclusive content such as bonus episodes, exclusive album recommendations, exclusive playlists, early access to episodes, and more. And above all though, you will be able to support the show directly in a way that will not only justify the crazy amount of time I spend on this show already, but allow me to cover some of the expenses related to supporting all of these great artists that we cover on the show through the website and will allow us to sustain and build on this amazing growth that the RMPP has experienced recently. So if you have any questions about any of the Patreon stuff or just want to keep tabs on the show, interact with me on rap music and all the great stuff that we can talk about, follow me on twitter and instagram at rap music plug pod or shoot me an email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com you can also rate and review the show on apple podcasts and subscribe on youtube and spotify as well but that's enough self-promotion for this episode i hope you enjoyed it peace